Well, this morning we're continuing our sermon series, Who is He? And we're focusing on different ways that Jesus has had an incredible, incomparable impact on the world we live in today. Today we're going to read a couple passages from the Gospel of Matthew, and we're going to focus on Jesus as the great teacher and as the world authority on everything. Let's read from Matthew 7 and Matthew 28. This is God's word for us today. This first passage comes after the end of the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. And then we'll turn over to Matthew chapter 28 and we'll read the last few verses of Jesus' ministry on earth here in Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So I had a high school geography teacher who was just terrible. He had a PhD in something or other, but it wasn't really related to geography. And you could tell from the moment class started, he just didn't really care. He started going through the syllabus on that first day. He got distracted partway through and then just went on and on about something that had nothing to do with the class and that none of us cared about. And then after a while, he got distracted by something in the hallway and he walked out to talk to someone. And while he was gone, a couple of guys in the back of the classroom looked at each other, threw all their books in their backpacks, got up, sneaked over to the back door of the classroom, and when the teacher came back in, they ran out. And the teacher didn't even notice. And the second day, about five guys pulled the same trick, and everybody else who was physically there was mentally absent, as this guy droned on and on in the front of the classroom. So after a couple days of that, I went up to the scheduling office and I begged and pleaded to get into any other class with any other teacher. Anything else was better than that. But I also had a chemistry teacher in high school who was just the opposite. And this guy looked like a hippie. I mean, long hair, long beard, kind of crazy clothes, and he even drove an old Volkswagen van. He was a hippie, man. But he was an incredible teacher. He also had a PhD, but you could tell that this was right at the center of his passion. He still loved all those basic kind of dumb high school experiments that we were doing. And he could take those experiments and he could work it out and show us how those mattered in things that we lived with and that we used in our everyday lives. And that guy gave the toughest tests I have ever taken. No joke, tougher than anything I had in college or grad school. But after the test, and he was a gracious grader, so it worked out okay. But after the test, he would take us through it and he would show us how it all just made sense. These crazy difficult questions that he asked, he would take and he would show how he taught us something that just made sense of it all. 
He had forgotten more about chemistry than any of the rest of us would ever know, but he also taught in a way that really connected and that got us interested in what he had to say. Now, if you asked a bunch of random people on the street what they thought of God as a teacher and an authority figure, you might get a lot of descriptions that fit that first teacher. Remote, disengaged, out of touch, boring, irrelevant. But when we read the Gospels, we get the sense that Jesus was much more like that second teacher. He just makes things come alive. When Jesus said really challenging things, the people were amazed. When he answered tough questions, people were impressed. And when he gave instructions, he spoke with authority. Those verses that we read from the Gospel of Matthew this morning give us a couple windows into who Jesus was as a teacher and who he was as the ultimate authority in everything that he taught and commanded. We aren't going to exhaust everything that those texts have to say for this morning, but we'll take part of them to help us grow in our understanding of Jesus as our great teacher and our Lord. Now, when we look at Jesus, one of the first things we have to realize is that Jesus is the one who has all authority. Jesus is the one who has all authority. Jesus is God himself, and he speaks with all the authority of God. Jesus existed before the world began. Jesus was in on the creation of everything. Everything in creation holds together because Jesus holds it in his hands. Jesus is the king of heaven and earth, and he speaks with the ultimate authority in all things. And today we're going to focus in on one specific part of Jesus' authority. When we say that someone has authority, often we mean they have power. And certainly Jesus has power. But when we say that someone has authority, we can also mean that they have truth. If we want the whole picture on a certain subject, if we want to know everything that we need to know about it, then we go to an authority on that topic. And Jesus is the one who brings us into all truth. Jesus is the one who knows everything there is to know. Jesus knows what's true and what's not. He knows what matters and what doesn't. And Jesus himself is the way, the truth, and the life. People who heard Jesus speak always recognized that he spoke with power, with authority, and with truth. Sometimes they agreed with him. Sometimes they weren't so sure about it but they were always impressed by the authority with which he spoke. Now in, Matthew's five, in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, Jesus preaches what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And it wouldn't be an exaggeration at all to say that is the greatest sermon or at least one of the greatest sermons in the history of the world. In that sermon, Jesus pulls together all kinds of themes from the Old Testament. He gives people practical advice about how to live and he teaches world-changing and life-changing truths to the disciples and to the crowds who have gathered to hear him. And at the end of that sermon, in those verses we read from Matthew chapter 7 today, Matthew tells us that when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Jesus always spoke as someone who had special, unique authority. In Jesus' time, the Jewish teachers, the rabbis, would always support their teaching by 
saying, you can find this in this or that verse of the Old Testament. Oh, Rabbi so-and-so said this and that, and Rabbi such-and-such said this and that, and so I agree with them, so I have their authority in a shared sense. But Jesus never needed to do that. We saw in Matthew 7 that Jesus amazed the crowd with his teaching authority. And in the Gospel of John, Jesus also spoke with that kind of authority. We see over 75 times in the Gospel of John when Jesus says, Truly I say to you. And then Jesus follows up that statement, I say to you, by making a statement that has incredible authority, that redefines or reinterprets what the people believed, that says something true about God and His will and how people ought to live. Other teachers depended on other authorities to make their points, but Jesus stood on His own divine authority. When Jesus speaks, He speaks truth, and everything that is true hangs together in Jesus Christ. Now that means a lot of things for what we might call the religious sphere but it also means something for all of life. Because Jesus has all authority, all truth is God's truth. Because Jesus has all authority, all truth is God's truth. Jesus doesn't just speak with truth, and Jesus doesn't just have authority over some limited religious part of our life. Jesus is the Lord of all of creation. Everything that we see around us, everything that we as humans create, develop, cultivate, all of that belongs to God. So if we really want to know the truth about anything, we have to start with Jesus. And if all truth is God's truth, then all learning, all teaching, all growth in knowledge can bring glory to God. If Jesus truly is the Lord of all truth, then studying anything about the world can be a way of serving and glorifying God. And that's why since the time of Jesus, Christians have often been at the forefront of the life of the mind in our world. Medieval monks for centuries upon centuries painstakingly copied ancient documents by hand. And it's because of those monks that we know much of anything about the ancient world. Most colleges here in the Western world were started by Christians with the goal of helping people to learn more about creation and about the Creator. Christian missionaries have been the single most powerful force in writing down and in preserving and keeping alive hundreds and hundreds of languages around the world. And we could go on and on. When Christians recognize that Jesus reigns over all of creation, then it just makes sense that we value the insights and the learning that people have gained into the ways of creation. There's a saying that ignorance is the devil's tool, and that's often true. But God is a God of truth, and all truth belongs to God. Now, our Reformed tradition really strongly affirms that, and that's overflowed into placing a high value, in particular, on education. We understand that education changes people and we understand the importance of learning and teaching everything from a Christian perspective. Whenever, however, we learn about or teach about creation, we're learning and teaching more about the Creator. When Christians teach about any subject, they are bringing light to this world. 
Now, when I was a missionary in Nigeria, we lived in a place where most of the people lived in really remote, isolated villages. And most of the people had never been to school, couldn't read or write, had no kind of education. And often you'd have government workers who wanted to raise a little extra cash. They'd put together a nice official-looking document, and they'd go out to some village somewhere, and they'd say, this document, this official government document says that your village is built in a place that you didn't get permission for. Or your field is somewhere that the government wants to use for something else. Or your motorcycle isn't registered correctly. Or you have too many goats. Or whatever. It didn't matter. The point was that that government worker had an official document and those people were in trouble. But of course, the government official would say eventually, of course I can take care of this for you. If you just pay me half the amount that this paper says is your fine, I'll smooth everything over. Nothing bad will happen. Just give me the money. Now, if you haven't picked up on this yet, that was just plain old extortion. But you can imagine that illiterate, isolated people, when confronted with a government official with this official-looking paperwork and the power behind them, they would just pay up to avoid any trouble. But over time, missionaries had started a number of Christian schools in that area. A lot of them were schools for kids, middle school, high school, that sort of thing. But we also had a school for church leaders, for adults who would come and then go back to minister in those villages. And after those people who had been educated, who could read and write, after they went back to those villages, when the government officials showed up, the village would call out this former student of ours, this official reading and writing man for the village, And when they had someone who could read, it turned out that those official-looking papers were pretty much always nonsense. They didn't really mean anything. And when someone could read them, suddenly the government officials had an appointment that was urgent and they had to get to somewhere else right now. When there was no education, the people could be oppressed at will. But when just a couple people got to know more about God's will got to know even basic skills like reading and writing, the whole community's life got better. Education, learning about God's world, brings freedom from oppression. Education brings light to darkness. Education opens up new avenues to praise and to live for our Lord. Now, we in the Reformed tradition see that Jesus has authority over all creation, and that brings us to value education to value studying and learning and teaching about the world. And so for those of you who are teachers, and we have a lot of teachers in our congregation, be encouraged today that you have a great and worthwhile calling. In your work, even when the day-to-day drudgery seems to go on and on, you are opening up minds to God's creation. And ultimately, you're opening up avenues that people may use to come to a deeper knowledge of our Creator, Lord. And even for those of us who aren't teachers, we can be intentional about living like all truth is God's truth. We shouldn't just leave Jesus at church or only talk about Jesus when we talk about religion. But instead, we should realize that Jesus makes a difference in all of our lives. Anytime that you find out something new, anytime you learn something new about creation, that's an opportunity to give glory to God. Now, in a perfect world, we could spend all of our time just learning more about God and learning about the world He made, but the reality of our lives is that we live in a broken, 
twisted world. In Nigeria, education brought light to darkness and freed those villages from oppression. But education was also what enabled that oppression in the first place. Those government workers had been to school and they had learned how to read and write. They had learned how to put things together and they had used that knowledge to hurt. They had used that knowledge to oppress. They had used that knowledge to work against God's created will. These days in the world, there are all kinds of authorities, all kinds of powers, all kinds of teachings that try to lead us away from God. But because Jesus has all authority, we put our faith in him alone. Jesus has all kinds of authority, so we put our faith in him alone and not in other things. There are always all kinds of powers of the day that want to lead us somewhere else. The specific powers and viewpoints are always changing, but there are always things out there in the world that are standing up and trying to claim that they have authority. Maybe it's some new scientific thing that claims to challenge something we believe. Maybe it's some philosophy professor's newly developed argument against Christianity. Maybe it's another religion that claims that they have the road to truth. Maybe it's a government that wants to do away with all authority except its own authority. Christians have always faced and we will always face challenges to Jesus' authority. But because Jesus has ultimate authority, we depend on him and not on other things. When I was in college, I spent a semester studying at Oxford University in England. And one of the classes I took there was on philosophy of religion. So I read lots and lots of really hard books and really challenging articles about religion in general and Christianity in particular. And there were really complicated arguments about the existence of God and whether Christianity could explain evil and how to make sense of the Trinity and whether Christian belief really makes any sense or not and so on and so on and so on. That was one of the most challenging courses I have ever taken. And by the end of it, I was pretty shell-shocked. I mean, how, how in the world is yelling at you and yelling at you sometimes with pretty good arguments, how do you respond? How do you hold on to faith when there are other authorities that are always challenging and pushing you? But at the end of that course, I read a little article by Alvin Plantinga. Now, Al Plantinga is the older brother of Neil Plantinga, who was the uh, president of Calvin Seminary for quite a few years. And I think Neil actually preached here once or twice a few years ago. Well, Al is his older brother, and Al is the greatest living philosopher of religion. Probably not even close. His books have redefined the whole field. But in that little article that I read, this very learned man took all that learning, all that sophisticated argument, books upon books of knowledge, and he basically put it all off to one side. And that article said, and I'm paraphrasing here, I think he said it a lot better, but I couldn't find the article this week. But he said something like, We Christians don't need to be bowing down to all the latest arguments and authorities out there in the world. We need to engage with what people are saying, yes. We need to be aware of the latest discoveries and the latest arguments. We need to listen to people who disagree with us. We need to be aware of what's going on in the broader world. But we do not need to depend on other authorities to stand firm in our faith. We depend on Jesus. We gather with God's people we listen to God's word, we live by God's spirit, 
And that's what we do. We don't need to go knocking on the door of a college professor or a scientist or a government official or even just our neighbor every month and say, excuse me, sir, but does Christianity still make sense? Can we keep holding on to our beliefs again this month? Now, I hope none of you were doing that, but if you were, you can stop right now. We don't need to be sure that the cultural winds are blowing in our direction to keep holding on to our faith. We don't even need to make sure that our own feelings, that our neighbors, that the government, that any of those things are always supportive of our faith. Those are not our ultimate authorities. We don't pin our faith on any of those things. Now hear me clearly. All of those things matter. We need to listen to the people around us. We need to learn from all kinds of perspectives. But when it comes to the ultimate things, when it comes to the beliefs at the center of our lives, we depend on Jesus and Jesus alone because he is the only true authority in heaven and on earth. When it comes down to it, we find our foundation and our hope in Christ alone. We don't look anywhere else for ultimate authority or hope or comfort in this life. When we want to know what to believe, we turn to Jesus. And of course, we find Jesus' life and teaching most clearly presented to us in the Bible today. So for our belief and our lives as Christians, we depend on Jesus, the great teacher, and we depend on the Bible where we find his teaching. Now, in some respects, we could just stop there. But Jesus' authority doesn't stop at the doors of the church. And Jesus doesn't tell us just to stop and stay in the church either. The authority of Jesus gives a foundation for a Christian belief and life. But Jesus also sends us out in his authority to be his witnesses. Because Jesus has commissioned us we go out as his witnesses in his authority. Now that often doesn't sit very well with the broader world. The reasons change from place to place and time to time and person to person, but the world never likes to hear the good news going out. These days we live in a tremendously diverse world. We're more and more aware of different perspectives, different religions, different cultures, and there are many good things about us being aware of that diversity. But one way that our culture deals with all of that diversity is by telling everybody to keep their own little truths to themselves. We're allowed to believe whatever we want, but we are not encouraged to take that belief public. And if you come out and say, this is the truth, the automatic response is, says who? Says who? You say that's true? Well, what kind of authority do you have? How dare you tell me what to believe? Now that says who argument has a lot of power today. And really, if you're talking to someone who's kind of made up their own religion, that argument should shut them right up. Because who are you? But Christianity is not something that we have made up. When we witness to the truth of our beliefs, we are not standing on our own authority. We have good news to bring to the world, but it isn't really our good news. It's Jesus' good news. The last few verses of Matthew 28 are famous as the Great Commission. 
And Matthew 28, 19 and 20 gets quoted in a lot of discussions about missions. Therefore, says Jesus, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. But the discussion often misses the verse before that. And Matthew 28, 18 says that Jesus came to his disciples and the first thing he said to them, before he gave them the commission to go, the first thing he said to them was, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus doesn't start by telling his disciples to go and make more disciples. That is the key command in this section. But before Jesus gives that command, he starts out with the foundation that Jesus himself has all authority. And it is the authority of Jesus that drives us out, that commissions us, that equips us, and that enables us to bring God's good news to the world. Jesus is the king of heaven and earth. Jesus is the one who holds all truth in his hand. And Jesus in Matthew 28, 19 is the one who tells us to go and make disciples in his power based on his teaching. The Christian faith never spreads by human power. The gospel spreads because it has the authority of Jesus behind it. Now God does choose to use us, his people, as his means to spread the gospel. God has given us the privilege of bringing his message to the world. But we can say only what we've heard from our master and teacher. We can speak only according to Jesus' authority. And when we do that, we speak truth. When we do that, we have a foundation to stand on that isn't just, this is what I say, but this is what Jesus says. We should never speak anything but what Jesus tells us, but we should also never stop speaking what Jesus tells us. For some of us, that means we have a calling to go around the world and bring the gospel to new places. For others of us, it just means living as witnesses to the way, the truth, and the life every day in everything we do. Now, as Jesus wraps up the Sermon on the Mount at the end of Matthew 7, just before the verses that we read for today, Jesus tells a parable about two builders. And one builder sets the house on a rock. And when wind and waves and water and wind beat on that house, it stands through it all. But another builder, a foolish builder, builds his house on the sand. And when rain and waves and water and wind come against that house, it falls with a great crash. And Jesus tells us that that foolish builder is like someone who hears Jesus' words, but don't put them into practice. But the wise builder, the one whose house, the one whose life stays together, is the one who hears Jesus' words and puts them into practice. Jesus comes to us as the greatest teacher the world has ever seen. His teaching changes lives and opens up the world in amazing ways. Jesus is the world authority on everything. He teaches us everything we need for salvation. He knows everything there is to know about the world. And Jesus comes and he invites us to come along with him on this journey of discovering more about God and about his world. 
May all of us always bow to the authority of Jesus. May we always love Jesus with everything we have. And may we always be making disciples for our Lord, the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth.